We thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching from Metro Church. We hope this inspiring message will empower and enrich your life. Today, I will continue a thought from last week, but don't worry if, if maybe you're here for the very first time or you're just tuning in. Uh, it is more of a standalone message. It will allow you to comprehend it without all of the backstory. However, if you do want to, it is available online for free. You can pick it up also in the cafe. Um, but what I'm talking about is this concept, so what now? We have come out of the Easter season, the celebration of the most climactic readings in, in our faiths, uh, you know, uh, in faith and through the scriptures. And now what, right? And, and I think about the early church and now Jesus has ascended back to the right hand of the Father, where by the way, he's praying for you. It says he's interceding on our behalf. That's an exciting thing to really wrap your head around, right? But, but what now? Uh, they've, they've been able to witness all that Jesus did. They've, they've seen all this, but now they're left to be the church. And so have you ever had that moment where you're like, well, well so, so what do we do now? This is something that we get to dive into in the book of Acts because it's the very first books that are written. It's, it's what happened immediately following the resurrection and the ascension. It's, it's telling us what the early church is up to. And how many know that uh, when we go back to our origins, we need to make sure that we're doing what the church was called to do, not just what we have, have uh, created in programs. We need to make sure the programs are doing what the early church was called to do, right? Are you getting this? And so we're going to go back to our origins again, a quick little history note. This is the, the very next book in the Bible after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So this is the, the, the writings of the Acts of the early church, hence the word Acts. And uh, these are immediately transpiring after the resurrection and ascension. So for those that love history, again, one last little blurb here. This is kind of, this book covers about 30 to 35 years of the church's, first 30 to 35 years of the church's history, which would be right around 30 to 33 AD to, uh, you know, of course, 62 to 64 AD. But last week we kind of covered what now. We're going to continue with that thought, but let me catch you up in the story, okay? Um, Jesus has ascended. The church has been instructed to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, we, throughout Acts chapter 2, we read about how the Holy Spirit has come upon them, and they were filled with the Spirit and power and boldness. As you read through Acts 2, Peter has preached a tremendous, probably one of the best messages ever preached outside of Jesus himself. And uh, they ended up seeing... 3,000 people come to Jesus after that message. Woo, that would be quite an altar call. You know what I'm talking about? And it says they were all baptized. Hello. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that when it comes to our faith walk, it's not just about believing in Jesus. That's the beginning. It's about obeying Jesus and his commands. And so one of the things I would encourage you, maybe you're here and you've said yes to Jesus. You've been a believer for a long time, but you have never dipped a toe into the water. We need to be obedient. You know, Jesus didn't even need to be water baptized. He did it so that we would understand how important it was. And so we do have water baptisms coming up. You can sign up for those in the info desk or shooting us an email. But so, yeah, 3,000 had come to Jesus. And um, 
as I was planning on diving into Acts 2, I, I kind of felt like all that is covered with the Holy Spirit needs a whole series. And so what I'm going to do is we'll get back to all that is Acts 2, but we're going to shift into Acts 3 this morning. Are you still with me? Okay. And so we'll pick it up in, in verse 1 of, of chapter 3. It says, One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. How often was he there? Every day. Peter looked straight. Uh, It says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. That was the gate's name, not his name, just for, just for the record. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You know, when I, when I go and I start looking at these stories, obviously, as someone who believes in Jesus, we read the stories of, of what did Jesus do, right? It, it, inspires, it inspires us and encourages us to continue to believe for big things. But I also really love looking at how the church acted after Jesus ascended. Right? Because for, for all the parts of the life that Peter can remember in faith and John can remember of their faith walk, if there was ever something that didn't go right, Jesus was right there and would write it, would make it right, right the wrong, right? Or if something didn't happen the way it was supposed to be, Jesus would explain why it didn't happen and then he would do it, right? And so, but when I look at the things that are happening in the early church, And they're just running off of the last words that God left them. Hello. Running off of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And they are about their father's business, so to speak. And so if you're taking notes today, number one, we are called to keep God's house a priority. We are called to keep God's house a priority. Jesus was gone and they could have just mailed it in. Jesus was gone, and they could have just said, okay, well, well, when Jesus was here, we went to church. When Jesus was here, we showed up at temple. You know what? And now that we know we kind of have a little bit of a different angle on our faith, we're just going to kind of do our own thing. What I find interesting is that Peter and John didn't neglect gathering together. The scripture says, do not neglect the gathering together of the saints, right? That's literally church. It's, it's not just, hey, instead of church, we have a cookout on Friday night because I'm kind of with some of the believers. It's not about just trying to connect here or there. It's literally making priority of God's house because it's his house. And so even after Jesus had left, they still had a priority to be about God's business and be in his house. Again, one day, Peter and John were going to up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. They were on their way doing something that, that they have known for a very long time, but they didn't make it 
something so common and so overfamiliar because Jesus had left. Now they're not going. No, they're still going, right? Uh, healthy decisions, they create healthy habits. That's one of the things that when I think about when we decide to make something a priority in our life, we're saying it, it's, it's important enough. And so the things I ask you is, is it important enough for you to make sure that you go to work? I know this is a touchy subject after COVID time. But is it important enough for you to pay your mortgage or your rent? Is it important enough for you to pay for food? Is it important enough for you to spend time with your family? Is it important enough for you to train your children up in the way they should go? What is important to you? Because you make it a priority, don't you? And when you don't make it a priority, it shows up in those areas of your life, and it kind of spills over into other areas of your life. See, when we don't make God's house a priority, it's not, it, it shouldn't uh, surprise us when all of a sudden we don't see the things that God has promised for us. We want to have our cake and eat it too, don't we? We want to say, I'm a believer in Jesus, but I don't really do anything. I just expect his blessings and his favor to follow because I happen to believe upon him. The demons believe in Jesus. How are we separating ourselves? Is it through obedience? Is it through what we make a priority in our life? See, as a youth pastor in this community for 15 years, I constantly run into people who used to come to church years ago. I can remember when they used to make God's house a priority. I can remember when they used to serve, when they used to make God a priority. The things of God a priority. So what happens? You know, when I walk into a store or run into someone in a coffee shop and we talk, they don't necessarily tell me they don't believe in God anymore. It's not like, yeah, that was a fad. That's just not something I'm doing anymore. And they're never saying those things. You know what they oftentimes say? They talk about the things that now have their attention. Oh, yeah, well, my work schedule changed. Oh, yeah, well, I joined this thing. Oh, yeah, well, I did that. And, and all of a sudden, it wasn't about the fact that they didn't believe in God anymore. Because oftentimes, I can't wait. I look forward to getting back there one day. What they're saying is I look forward to someday making it a priority again. And then it, 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 it hit me, the slippery slope of, being, of what we call backsliding, right? S sliding away from God. We were gaining ground and, and really growing in relationship. The backslide, the sliding away from God, it actually is an incremental slide, and it's based on attention, not a lack of faith. People think they fall out of church because they didn't have enough faith. That might be an element, but actually it's just because they had their eyes set on the wrong thing. It was a priority issue. And so they allowed something else to take their attention, and that something changed their priorities. So half of the believer's battle is simply to maintain focus on God in a world screaming to take their attention. That's half of a fight. And now that you know... What is that, Yojo? I don't know. It's gone. Whatever it was, it was there and it's gone. <laughs> Doesn't matter. The devil is just waiting for you to blink. He's just waiting for you to blink. He doesn't have to make you bad. He just has to make you consider a different priority. And so everyone wants success. They want favor. They want blessing, but they want it delivered in their comfort zone. 
You know, thank God there wasn't an online church back in that day. These two wouldn't have been walking to church. They wouldn't have walked past a man in need. They would have been hanging out on the couch with popcorn. If you're at home right now because you're sick and you can't make it to church, that's exactly what online church is for. If you're in a place where there is no church and you're connected and receiving the word of God here, that's exactly what online church is for. It is not to replace the priority of being in God's house. When we make God's house a priority, it reminds us of his priorities when we walk our streets. Number two, we're called to be aware of the needs around us. So, so, so what now? Open our eyes to the needs around us. We need to take the blinders off. Be aware of those who need help. It goes on in verse 2. A man who was lame from birth was there, right? He, he was calling out for money, and Peter looked straight at him. And he said, look at us. So the man gave him an attention, expecting to receive something from them. See, Peter and John were aware of the, th- the need, aware of, of uh, God's priorities. Now, what's very interesting is the thing that we can also take from this is the fact that this isn't a new temple they've never been to. They've been walking to this temple quite a bit, right? And this man was there how long? Every day. Every day he was there. So it's a reminder to me, how many times do I walk past a need that actually I could have done something about yesterday? I'm not going to let it go today. It's interesting to me, what was it about that day? Was it the fact that Peter had just seen what God was doing through him when, they, when he preached that message, when the early church just saw 3,000 come to Christ and were baptized? Was it something that the, because of the Holy Spirit, there was this new empowerment? I believe that is a big angle. But there was this empowerment. What all of a sudden created Peter and John to do something about what they're now aware of? I believe when we keep God's priorities a priority in our life, it reveals his other priorities that should also be a priority in our life. Your priority is not just to come to church, it's to be the church. But if you don't come to church, you're not going to be the church. We're called to be aware of the needs around us. Remember, God's goodness is not for you alone. Uh, sitting here uh, in praise and worship in the band, the, the team, the sound, the, everything was just so well done today. We're, we're giving our best, doing it with excellence, and it is just pulling me into worship. A great worship team, they will definitely get you involved in worship, not just staring at them, right? The concept, I led worship for many, many years. The concept is to take the attention and redirect it up, right? To get you focused on your creator. And so I'm into worship 10 fingers deep, so to speak, right? And uh, I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking how blessed we are to be in a church that believes in the full gospel, the full power of God, that it's still available to us today. And I'm sitting here thinking, God, how blessed are we? And then I thought, who could I have asked to come to church today? Because they needed this. It's that constant reminder that it's not just for me. I'm blessed to know what I know. But I need to be a blessing to let someone else know as well. Right? Are you getting this? So remember, God's goodness is not for you alone. Number three, we are called to believe God's healing power is still for today. It would have been easy 
Would have been easy if you walked with Jesus and saw all the miracles to assume that now he's gone, so that stuff stops. But he told them to go. He told them. He, remember, he even sent them out two by two at one point. He, he sent them out, and he was letting them know that in my name, the demons will shudder. They will flee. In my name, God will grant requests. That's why we always pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen literally means let it be so. We're not saying that we deserve the stuff that we ask from God. We understand that Jesus unlocks the opportunity, and God hears us, and God's a good father, so he wants to. Are you getting this? Okay. And so we're called to believe God's healing power is still for today. What if Peter woke up unsure that God could still heal people? What if John was like, yeah, I just don't think it's going to happen anymore? What if he was unsure that God's words lost, you know, what if he thought God's words lost their potency? He wouldn't have prayed for this man. He wouldn't have acted out in faith, right? That is why we pray weekly for those who ask for prayer requests. Why? Not because we're trying to check it off the list, but because we believe that God's healing power is still present today because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his scripture says these things. So we stand firm on them and have a, a, a place to stand with our faith. Are you hearing this? We still believe it's for today. Because we believe God's word still to be true, we believe that he is still our healer. We believe that uh, he is still in the healing business. We believe that uh, we don't have to have um, the ability for something to happen in this world, for it to be in God's ability, because with him, all things are possible. Do you have that kind of view of God? Something I'm always challenged by is this thought. God is as big as I think he is. Just let that sit for a minute. He is as big as I believe him to be. Why? Because if we don't have the faith for it, we're not going to see it. If we put him in a box, he'll remain in a box in our life. Not because he couldn't do something amazing, but because we couldn't believe him for it. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have in Acts 3, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. That is a bold prayer. And it got bold results. And I get more excited in the Bible when I read the story than when I read the stories of the things Jesus did because Jesus was God. I get more excited about where average everyday people in Jesus' name saw something amazing happen because that's who we are. That's what we do. We have the ability, because I'll tell you, Peter was a cussing salesman. Salesman, fisherman. But in order to get a boat, he probably was a salesman too, if you really think about it. When you start to think of the motley crew that created, that, that Jesus formed in the disciples, yes, they were being transformed, but it's not like they were part of the sainthood from birth. Hello? This is somebody who many would say just a few weeks ago cut off someone's ear. This was somebody who Jesus had to say, if we live by the sword, we'll die by the sword. Are you following me? Oftentimes we have to see ourselves in the scripture and realize the amount of times we're about to say a prayer that we don't feel worthy about or worthy to pray, we remember those that are unworthy to pray, the one that denied Jesus three times. 
is the one that also still walked in faith and believed him for great things, not because of who he was, but because of Jesus' righteousness that came because of who Jesus was. Right? So we are called, number four, to give a hand up. To give a hand up. So what now? Let's give a hand up. If, If we look, there is need all around us. We're called to do more than give a hand out, but also a hand up. Look, the less fortunate will be more fortunate if we've helped them up, not just put something in their hand. Are you getting this? Peter and John didn't just look to throw change in the cup. They were looking to bring change through the name of Jesus. Now, oftentimes I've, I've always been told and, and belief, you, you can't teach someone about Jesus when their stomach is hurting because they haven't had food. You've got to bring food first. You've got to love on their needs, right? But we don't leave them there. We help them through the name of Jesus. What did he say? He said, what I don't have, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. We're called to give people a hand up, not just a hand out. Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Don't get me wrong. I am for feeding the hungry. I am for helping the hurting. But it must go beyond filling earthly needs. The realm of the spiritual must be entered. Why? Otherwise, we aren't being the church, only a social justice club. There's room and there's need for social justice, but there's even more need for eternal knowledge to be passed on so that eternity can be inherited. Because when the loaf of bread is gone, that's when we remember that we don't live off of bread alone. Church. Okay? If Jesus is never brought into the conversation, we haven't made good on our vow to God. When we said yes, that we would follow him, that we would obey him, It wasn't just that we would know, it's that we would share our testimony. It's that we would share our story with others so that they could get to know the Jesus that we know. The God who loves them just as much as he loves us. And so when we said yes to Jesus, we agreed to share the good news with others the same way someone shared it with us. So we give people a hand up. Number five, we're called to lead people to God's house. It's easy for us to get so focused on the miracle at hand when we're reading this story and forget there needs to be personal faith growth attached to it. I love this. See, see the amount of times I've read this story and thought how, how amazing. This man, he was helped to his feet. I also think Peter understood this man may not have faith for what I just said. I'm going to help get him through the process before he doubts. Okay? Sometimes you're praying for somebody and you've got to help them through the process because they can't believe the way you believe. And that's okay. They'll get there. But we have the ability to stand in the gap for people, right? But what I'm also reminded is when I read that verse 8, how many people only focus on the beauty and the miraculous nature of the first half of that scripture, not the second half? Because the second half carries amazing power as well. Let's look at that scripture. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. That is unbelievable, right? Then he went with them into the courts, into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. The amount of time people just want a miracle so they can go about their sinful life, it's everywhere. God, if you just give me that husband, 
By the time they get the husband, the husband doesn't go to church because they settled thinking it was God's best. They don't even go to church anymore because now they're following someone who's not a spiritual head. See, what's interesting is this miracle came, but immediately they brought him to church with them. It created a structure for personal faith growth. He went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping. See, we're not called just to tell people about God's house. We're not called, you know, I'm all for planting the seed. You never know who's going to come behind and water it. But I know that we're called to bring people to the house of God. To bring people to the house of God. I don't know who brought you to the house of God. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was your grandparents. Maybe it was a friend. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you were young. Maybe it was a sleepover and the Sunday morning just happened to be church, so you went with them. I don't know how you got to church, but be thankful someone brought you. And then be the person that someone else can thank because you brought them to the house of God. We're called to lead people to God's house. That we'll, we'll get back into the bringing part later. But number six, we're called to walk this faith journey with anyone on the streets. With anyone on the streets. See, in verse nine, it says that when all the people, we're going we're gonna to continue down here. It says, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. How many know that invoked many different feelings? I'm sure there was plenty of wonder and amazement about how that happened. But also, let's remember this was a beggar. This was someone that was carried to the temple daily. He was literally a burden for many who carried him. He was a second-class citizen in the eyes of many. Peter and John show us that we're called not just to be a helping hand, but be willing to be help. With, with and for people through the process, regardless of who they are, regardless of who the world sees them as. Do you know people are much more likely to come to church if they don't have to walk through those doors alone? See, that, that man, he may have received a miracle from God, but actually, to him, he might have been thinking the miracle of someone bringing the beggar into the house of God was just as much a miracle that he didn't have to walk in alone. The fact that Peter and John were willing to walk side by side with this person is a constant reminder that we're called to walk side by side with anyone that would look to walk into the house of God. Are you getting this? So going back to the doors and how hard it can be to walk into church. Maybe after five years or a decade, you haven't been around the house of God. Maybe you backslid. Maybe somebody has made all the wrong decisions. Just walking through those doors can be so uncomfortable. More people will come to church if we're willing to walk through the doors with them. You know half the reason we hold doors for people so they don't have to physically open the door? We're breaking down barriers before there is a barrier. Maybe, maybe just being able to walk up to the door of the church was all that they could handle. You know how many people I've talked to? They said they stood at the end of the patio wondering if they could come in because of the past or what they have done or why they walked away. Let's just continue to remove the obstacles. Let's continue to fill the gap and be there for people, yes? So next time, instead of inviting someone to church, offer to bring them. Offer to meet up with them for coffee before church so that you can walk in together. 
continue to find ways. Offer to sit with someone who shows up alone. Let's walk through the process together. Let's be willing to walk with anyone regardless of, uh, of background or differences. We aren't just called to help the hurting, but we're called to help them through it. Right? And so when is the last time you were willing to have eyebrows raised in your direction for Christ's sake? Because when they walked in with the beggar, there was all sorts of response. Number seven, as we conclude here, we're called to point people to Jesus. So what now? We got to point people to Jesus. Not just a meaning well, not just trying to live a good life, because that won't work. If we look a few scriptures further in the story, Acts 3, 11 and 12, and then we'll jump to 16. It says, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if it was by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? What's he saying? He's understanding that everyone is perceiving that it was them. If you want to be used for the very last time by God, let everyone know it was you. If you never want God to use you again, steal the glory. God's not okay with that. And he'll be sure you never do anything in his name again. But if we're willing to point people to Jesus, we can create this amazing power cycle in our life where God continues to get the glory and continues to work through us in amazing, amazing ways. All we got to do is point back to Jesus. Just got to point back to Jesus. It says in verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and now uh, and know was made strong. It is Jesus's name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. As you can all see, this, this wasn't us. Let me get the record very clear. What happens on a Sunday morning here, it's not me. What happens in the altar? It's not me. What happens in the back room? It's not that teacher. What happens in, in, in premarital counseling or what happens in, in some other form of, uh, of ministry? It's not the person. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And as long as we're a church that point people to Jesus, we'll continue to be a church that grows and that thrives and that God uses and that it continues to see the power because it's not us. Are you getting this, church? In my many years of ministry, I've seen God do some crazy things. I've been fortunate to be a part of God using me. It's all God. And as long as I remember to tell everybody, it's God. Believe me. There's no power coming from this man bun. <laughs> Motorcycle season's coming. It might be gone soon. But listen. There's no power coming from this man bun. It is coming from Jesus Christ. I'm just a tool. Yes, I called myself a tool. The Bible refers to it as an instrument. Okay? God is going to show up and do amazing things when we keep pointing people to Jesus. 
And I've, I've been able to be a part of some amazing things, laying hands on people that should have never recovered. Doctors said there is no fix, and God became the fix. And I promise you, they knew in the moment, that was God, it wasn't me. They knew in the after moments, that was God, it wasn't me. They knew that it wasn't even just because it was Metro Church. It was because they came to church, and they went and they heard God's word. They stirred up faith and believed for the impossible. And guess what? The impossible happened because with Christ, all things are possible. What am I saying? When all eyes are on you, point them to him. Just as, just as he said, why do you stare at us by our own power or, or godliness? You think we made this man walk? By faith in the name of who? No one else. By faith in the name of Jesus. This man whom you see and know is made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has made him completely healed. It's faith in the name of Jesus that moves the hand of God. It is the name of Jesus that brings salvation, healing, that brings favor and power. Jesus, he makes all things possible for those who believe. The question I ask you today is, do you believe? We hope you've enjoyed this teaching from Metro Church. 